Welcome to NAC Health Center News. This is Marisol Murphy-Ballantyne. Today I'm here with April Lewis. She's NAC's Director of Health Center Operations. Hi, April. Hi, Marisol. How are you? <laughs> Great. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about veterans, since Veteran Day is upon us. And April is not only a fabulous NAC staffer, but she's also a veteran. She served six years in the Army. So, April, can you tell us a little bit about your journey from the Army to NAC? Oh, gosh, I absolutely can. That encompasses several years. So um, I joined the Army right out of high school. Ironically enough, I like to share this story. I called the Army. The Army did not call me. I was in the 10th grade, and I called our local recruiter and said, I want to join the Army. And he was like, that's great. Where are your parents? <laughs> and so um, I got everybody on board. They signed the paperwork, and I literally was in the Army in the 10th grade at the age of, 15, I think, 15 or 16. I graduated at 17. I don't know. Yeah. So I was super young and legally could not be in the army. So my parents signed me away early and I was in the delayed entry program. And I share that story because I knew in the fifth grade that I wanted to be in the army. I did not come from a family of veterans. I actually am, as far as we can see back, the only person in my family that served in the um, military. I just knew I wanted to go in. And now here, you know, what 18 years later, I can see why as it relates to being of service, as it relates to being connected to missions bigger than myself and more than anything, leadership. So I was in the army, like you said, for six years, six years, I grew as a person, six years, I grew as a citizen of America and six years, I grew as someone who understand, understands the importance of it takes a group of people to make something happen. When I discharged in 2006, I needed to figure out what was going to be the next chapter of my life. And that's how I ultimately landed in the community health center space. I needed to figure out how were my skills that I gained in the army going to transfer into the civilian sector. And I ended up in healthcare working with alcohol and drug abuse patients who were healthcare professionals. And from there, once I had, you know, theoretically caps in that position, I got connected to the community health center world. Um, it was in Columbia, South Carolina, where I started this journey. And the interesting connection with community health centers and what I experienced in the military was in the military, you have various people coming from various locations, different cultures, different languages, different genders, ages. But when we put the uniform on, we're one person moving towards one mission. It's the same thing in the health center space. We have different leaders, people at different levels from the CEO down to the courier at a health center. You have the state primary care association, you have the board. We have all these different people, different, you know, salaries, different cultures, again, different socioeconomic statuses, different trainings, different certifications. And yet we're here for one reason, and that's to serve the medically underserved populations, regardless of where they are and who they are. So I felt like I was right back home in a different capacity because I was around amazing people who want to do amazing work for amazing people that need us. So I came from the Army to the community health center space, worked at the health center, left the health center, was fortunate enough to go to the state primary care association, which allowed me to see it from a different perspective, seeing how a whole state now will move in as a united front for the greater good of our members and landed from there with the independent practice association. We call it IPA, which is really a fancy way of saying like a provider group. We acted on behalf of the health centers that were members of it. And in that space is where I really saw the importance of not only treating patients, but 
using data to drive how you treat patients and looking to see the impact that you're having from a clinical perspective on the outcomes. Because at the end of the day, that's the why behind what we do. We're here to make people healthy. We're here to make people well. So that is my journey that led me through the health center, through the state PCA to the IPA and was blessed enough almost a year ago to say yes to this position here at the national level, where my mind is still getting blown away at how we have 1,400 health centers, unique health centers that are moving towards one mission. And I'm so happy to be part of it. Fantastic. Um, And we're happy, obviously, to have you here. So can you tell me a little bit about the skills that you had that you learned in the Army and how they transferred to your position in the Community Health Center movement? Absolutely. So my title in the Army was Automated Logistical Specialist. And it's so many words that basically says you move a vehicle, whether it's an air vehicle or a ground vehicle, from point A to point B. So I was in operations in the Army, really heavy in logistics, really coordination. So in the military, we typically don't get in Microsoft Outlook and, you know, the Microsoft suite in and of itself. We have our unique um, software programs. So I really came out the Army with no technical skills as it relates to, like, you know, what's happening on the Internet, being able to navigate through that space. But what I came out with was the ability to communicate with a diverse team. I came out with the ability to be a leader. I came out with the ability to see people's strengths and stay there, you know, And so with that, once I, you know, took that journey, sitting down at the library, checking out all these books on how to write a resume so I can translate what I did in the military to what I can do in the civilian sector, it was a seamless transition because in my roles in the healthcare space have been working with people, have been being able to communicate our message internally and externally, which is critical. You know, internally, people need to know what's happening within the organization. Externally, the world needs to know who we are and the service that we provide. Um, The leadership piece just stepping up to the plate, getting it done. Regardless if your title is administrative assistant or if your title is chief executive officer, what needs to be done and what can I do as an individual to do it? In the Army, that is number one mission. You know, we have, you understand what has to happen and what's going to be your role in it, even if it's something as tedious as moving a stack of logs from point A to point B. The purpose of it is teamwork and camaraderie. The purpose of it is getting it done, starting a project and actually finishing it. So I'll have to say more than anything, those intangible skills of communication, of leadership and working with a diverse group of people position me very nicely for this space. Yeah, no, I imagine it really, really does, especially since there's so many ways health centers move people through mm-hmm. this is their systems and the different ways the states come in and, and influence um what's happening on on the local level um, and then how the federal level comes in as well to play. So it's all kind of complicated or complex, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, that's my favorite thing to say. Healthcare is complex. It's not complicated. It is a very complex system that a patient has to navigate. And then us as the employers, as the staff, as the leaders, we have to navigate. And I love that you said from the federal level, you know, all the way down to the community boots on ground level. So we have to make sure that we're communicating effectively. And one of the key pieces of communication is listening. And in health service and human services, we have to listen to our patients. We have to listen to the, the community. We have to listen to legislators. We listen to them. We hear the stories and then we do our part. And to your point, it's complex. It's a lot of moving pieces. It's a lot of different layers, but we all have to move in one direction. You know, we really have to get 
to a healthier America and what is your role in that space and you do your role and you do it exceptionally well and you link arms with your team so you all can do it exceptionally well as the collective because like we say united we stand divided we fall and us linking arms in this space letting the world see regardless of where you are geographically regardless of your socioeconomic status regardless of your sexual orientation regardless of any of that even down to your income we want you to come here and be well. I love it. So the other part of this is health centers are seeing more and more vets Mm -hmm. and that can get kind of complex as well, right? Because Mm -hmm. that adds another layer. So can you tell us a little bit about what health centers can do to better serve vets? Keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a great job. We have 355,000 now I think that we're serving. Keep doing what you're doing and remember that veterans need to be the true, true, true primary conduit of their healthcare service. They need to fully, and we need to fully understand what's happening. And I say that because coming out of the military, when you go be seen by a doctor at the military, there is no primary care network in the army. When you go to work that day and you say, oh, I don't feel good. I have an ailment or illness. I need to be seen. You'll go in, get information. They'll do roll call. Everyone's accounted for. And then you fall out to go to the doctor. Everyone goes, you bust yourselves over or you drive over there. And then you go, you get a number and you get seen by whatever doctor is on duty, whatever doctor is on duty. We're the exact opposite here. We actually have relationships. We have primary care providers that treat these veterans. So formulating that relationship, making sure that the veteran knows why you're calling in a certain test, why you feel they need to go out for behavioral health or stay within, you know, we have within the organization, stay within for behavioral health treating, real treatment, making sure that they aren't, they don't feel like they're just being moved through the system, rather escorted through the system with dignity and honor, you know, that relationship piece for the primary care providers that's listening to this, listen to what the veteran is not saying just as much as what they are saying. If you see they're presenting frequently for, you know, a common illness and I have no clinical background, and I, you know, so I don't want anybody to think, oh, well, I know that because I'm a doctor. I'm just saying it. It's often what we don't say that matters the most. And as our amazing um, primary care providers out here in the field do, if we see a trend on headaches, insomnia, overeating, undereating, that's a behavioral health issue that we need to pay attention to and so much of it could stem from their time in service so much of it can come from their time in service and it's not easy to say hey doctor i'm finding myself being afraid of the dark the dark hey doctor i'm finding myself getting more irritated with my children than i should and that's where our amazing behavior health providers practitioners will come in and start peeling back the onion layers and seeing are we dealing with the issue today that started years ago from your time in service because as we all know some wounds don't surface until they're going deeper you know when certain triggers happen so i'll give the example when i came from iraq I thought I was perfectly fine coming back from Iraq. I was in a fairly safe area. Um, I was in Balad, Iraq. We had our enemy would attack us by way of air fire. We had a couple of bombs dropping around us. Only a few actually hit with inside um, our specific territory. But when I got back home, I was terrified to drive. I pulled up to a stop sign and a car came to my left and a car came to my right. And I felt like I was closed in and I was freaked out. And I just sat there even after the light turned green because it's like, okay, I hadn't drove a car in almost a year. 
And then I was had something to my left and something to my right. And then it was just crazy. And at that moment, you don't want to say, oh, my gosh, like something happened to me. You know, and I didn't even say it then. But I noticed that I was terrified of something that wasn't there. When you serve downrange, you don't see it. You just hear bombs dropping. You hear things, you know, at nighttime, you walking in the dark, you don't see, you just keep walking. So little things like that, seeds of fear and seeds of anxiety can be in our um, spirit that we won't recognize until something happens. And that's where we really want to have a relationship with the provider who gets to know us as a person and help us when we don't even know we need help. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that with mm-hmm. us. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day multiple times. <laughs> Just have a blessed veteran. Thank day. you very much. And to my battle buddies, my veterans in arms, my soldiers in arms, um, thank you all for your service. And to the families of the veterans, thank you for your service because we absolutely need the backbone. Interested in learning more about Health Center? Visit us at www.nachc.org. Want to stay up to date with the latest Health Center news? Follow us on Twitter at NACHC. Thanks for listening.